chapter number 9, Isaiah chapter number 9, and as you're turning there, I do want to welcome any of those that might be visiting with us today, as today we were supposed to be beginning our time of rejoicing as we look at the subject of our season of hope, and I told someone just a moment ago as we were preparing to come out here uh, several times during the evening yesterday as we built up toward making the decision to have to do this. Uh, that I found myself with a tendency to tell the Lord that we did not need this right now. And I don't know if you're like me, but from time to time, I will go through a circumstance, uh, an unfavorable one, and I'll have a tendency to go to God and try to explain to God why we did not need that in our lives at that time. Uh, but as it rolled around, I guess around 10 or 10.30 last night when uh, it became very apparent after much prayer and thought had gone into this decision, uh, the Lord reminded me around that time that he is in charge of our needs and he's in charge of what I need and what we need. And uh, if we are having to do this this morning based on what he's led us to do, then evidently we needed this, and there is something good that will come from this. He tells us that all things work together for good, and uh, even those things that come along that are unfavorable that we do not enjoy, I'm thankful that God knows what we need, and I'm going to trust him for that today, and I want to encourage you to trust him for that as well. I know it is disappointing uh, I can't tell you how disappointing and heartbroken I was when it became apparent that this was the conclusion of what we were going to have to do for the safety and security of our church. And I'll expound a little bit more tonight on exactly why we had to go through the uh, decisions that we were having to make right now. Uh, but I don't want to damper the spirit because we are here this morning to begin looking at this wonderful season of hope that we are in. And as you'll notice, the decorations around the sanctuary this morning uh, kind of lend to that as we go into this Christmas season that truly is a season of hope. And to be honest with you, I think it is really just fitting that as we come to look at this thought of how Christmas is truly a season of hope, that yet this morning we are given a true life, a real life reminder of just how much we need his hope because so many things that we have been hopeful for and have had our hope in have been taken away by the circumstances of our life right now. And uh, what a poignant reminder that we should have our hope in Christ. As we sing so often in this song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And this morning, that's where our hope should be. I hope that we are able to get back in here next Sunday. I hope that we get back to a normal sooner than later. I hope that as we enter in 2021, that we will leave a lot of these bad memories of 2020 behind us, but I can't tell you that that is going to be the case. But as long as my hope is where it needs to be, and my hope is in Christ, uh, I will always have something to be hopeful about, and that's what this season of hope series is all about. As we begin praying about what God would have us to preach, he doesn't always give us a heads up on what the messages are going to be about, particularly that far in advance that you know a month out what the theme of that series will be, and yet the Lord made it very clear back in October and November that uh, he would have us to be preaching on what we need right now. And what we need and what our city needs, what our family needs, our church needs, what our country needs right now is to understand that there is hope in spite of our circumstances. We should not hold out for hope just when everything lines up the way we like it. There is hope this morning simply because who God is and who what Christ did, we can have that hope today. And that's what this series is all about. If you're watching this morning, whether you're a member of Central Baptist Church or whether you're someone who received one of our invitations and are tuning in, 
because you could not be here with us today, I hope you're going to find that true hope that is in Christ. Now, I do want to encourage those of you that are watching today that may already be saved and you're thinking to yourself, well, this is a series on salvation. I'm going to click on over to another service that speaks to the saved. I want you to understand the saved need hope today just as much as the lost do. I see the saved are just as downtrodden and uh, uh, disheartened by all the circumstances of what we're living through, and the saved need hope today just as much as the lost. And so this series is going to be very important, not only to the lost, but to the saved alike. And I think this is what Paul was kind of getting at in Colossians 1, where he tells and reminds that church at Colossae to not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Notice he's reminding saved people not to be moved away from their hope. Why? Because circumstances uh, lend themselves to move us away from our hope. And I understand lost people being moved away from a hope they do not even have because they have to place their hope in things and in ideal circumstances. But even for the saved this morning, Paul cautions the church to not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. And this morning, the circumstances, i.e. this empty building this morning, for those of you who cannot see because of the camera angles this morning, there are one, two, three, four, five uh, humans in the pews and two back there in our booth this morning. So we have seven humans in the building this morning. I mean, that is kind of disheartening. This morning, my prayer and uh, my hope was that this building would be full. We'd have visitors in the, in the balcony. We have to put overflow in our, in our choir room. But this morning, we are not only at that, we are far below that. And it's a temptation to lose a little bit of hope. But I'm thankful this morning that when our hope is in Christ, we can never lose our hope. Our hope will remain. And this morning we're going to begin this series of uh, the hope of this season, this season of hope which is in Christ. And I hope this will be a blessing to you today. Isaiah chapter number 9, we're going to read some verses about the birth of Christ that we're about to celebrate if the Lord should tarry at the end of this month. And I hope as always that you will take this time to reflect upon the true meaning of what this season is all about. This is truly a season of hope. We give gifts and we have times together with family and we have decorations that are so beautiful and I appreciate all those who've worked hard to do this. But this season, this Christmas season, truly is a season of hope. And what a wonderful time right now as we go through this dark time and this dark season in our country and even in our whole world. There's a shadow over our world right now. Oh, how we need this season of hope. And I believe God's going to show us some things through the next four weeks of messages. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I know what the Lord's given me to preach and the messages he's placed on my heart, but I'm looking forward to what he's going to give us to the preaching of his word this morning. And let's begin in Isaiah chapter number 9. Look down to verse number 1. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. There's a lot in that verse, but fear not. We're not going to focus on verse 1. We're going to go to verse number 2 today and pull our message out of that. The Bible says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light, hath, the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the, the nation and, hath not, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Now watch verse 4 
The Bible says, For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Verse number 6. Skip there right quick and we'll pray. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, two verses I want to pull together this morning is verse number two, where the Bible says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And the Bible gives us a little more specific detail of what that light is in verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Now let's stop there and let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for the privilege to gather in a unique way today. Lord, not in the way, as often has been this year, that we would have desired or the way we had planned or the way we had even hoped but Father, you knew this was going to happen. And even, Father, how disappointed I was when we realized that we were not going to be able to gather together. But, Lord, I trust that you're working in this and through this. And, Father, this morning I pray that you'd give us an extra measure of grace today as we preach and as we receive your word. Be with our dear people, Father, whose hearts are probably heavy, a little heavier today, that they're not able to be here. And I pray that, Father, you'd lead and you'd guide and direct through your word and the message today. And I pray, Lord, for peace and liberty as I preach. Lord, we'd set aside the disappointment, the heaviness, the shadow that's over us right now and be able to preach with liberty the message that you have sent and the way you'd have us to preach it. And I trust that you're going to work. Now help us to decide before we ever hear it that we're going to respond and receive it today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we head into this Christmas season, I think it's very obvious, even by the example of what we're having to do this morning, uh, that our world is a world that is sitting in very much a similar place that the world was sitting in on that very first Christmas that we celebrate back many, many years to over 2,000 years ago. The world at that time, as the world now, was a world that was sitting and waiting on the arrival of Christ. And you think about how interesting that parallel is for us today. They were a world that sat in darkness, waiting on the coming of the Savior. And here yet today again, we are a world that is sitting in darkness, waiting on our Savior to come once again. There's a lot of things this morning we may disagree on, uh, whether you're on this or that side of the aisle politically or whatever your persuasion is on this virus and the effects of the virus and how we should respond to the virus. I do think there's one thing we'd all agree on about our world right now is that we're very simply a world that is in need. At the very least this morning, whether you agree that it's overblown or, or, or underrated, however you stand on this whole virus deal today, or whether how you stand on the, the political climate of our country today, I think we would all agree that our world this morning is a world that's sitting in need and waiting in need. Now, determining what that need is is probably where we would all differ today. Some of us believe that our need is a political need. Uh, some of us might think this morning that the needs that America has are more uh, economic needs. If we solve the economic problems, that would solve the economic, uh, that would solve the problems we have in our nation today or the political needs today. Some might even believe, as uh, I tend to, that we have more of a spiritual or religious need. But my prayer this morning is that at the root of all of our problems, we will see that the one thing that all of us need, and you've got to stick with me, all right, throughout the entire message today, the one thing that all of us need today is hope. 
That is what our world needs right now. That is what our country needs right now. That is what the lost need right now. That's what the saved need right now. We all need of hope. Now, stick with me today. I'm not talking about blind optimism. I need to have some people on the left next time because I got everybody on the right today. I'm going to preach. No, you're good. You don't have to move with the Michael. I'm preaching to everybody on the right side today because nobody is on the left side today. But I'm not speaking about blind optimism. You know me. I'm an optimist. The glass is always half full. I believe the people of God ought to be optimistic and spiritually optimistic. But I'm not talking about blind optimism this morning. I'm not talking about positive thinking. There is no amount of optimism or positive thinking that's going to get us through the rest of this year and whatever uh, is right around the corner. I read a story about a little boy one time who brought home his report card, and his report card was littered with C's and D's and maybe even a few F's. And his dad sat down and was scolding his son about it and asked his son, he says, what do you have to say about this, son? Uh, Mom and dad are very disappointed that you've got these C's and D's, and we know you can do better than this, and you even have a few F's that are there, and what do you have to say about it? And the boy looked up to his dad, and he says, Dad, there's one thing for sure, you can be proud his dad looks down at his son and he's scratching his head trying to figure out how can you have C's, D's, and F's and yet think that we as your parents should have a reason to be proud. His dad says, why should we be proud? He says, well, you know I haven't been cheating. (laughs) And although this is true and positive thinking is, is helpful at times like these, there's no amount of positive thinking or blind optimism that's going to get you through these times. You know, optimism can change your perspective, but it doesn't necessarily fix your problems, does it? I do believe in being an optimist, and optimism will change your perspective on your problems, but optimism is not going to change your problems. For instance, if you're going down the road, and I did a lot of traveling this week from preaching in uh, in Alabama on Wednesday night, and so thankful for the AJ, did a wonderful job filling in for us, and then Thursday left for Louisiana to see my wife's family that was there, and uh, to check on her grandfather, and did a lot of traveling, and while we're traveling, we see people on the side of the road, they're broken down with a flat tire. And, you know, you could pull up to somebody who has a flat tire and uh, look and say, boy, do you have a flat tire? And they say, yeah, I have a flat tire. I say, well, look, look at it this way. At least you still have three that have air in it. Well, that's an optimistic approach, is it not? I mean, that is true. Three out of four tires have air in them. And although optimism really changes your perspective, optimism's not going to fix your problems. And I'm not talking about having hope this morning in the form of blind optimism. I'm talking about having hope that is in Christ. You see, the power of positive thinking is only going to get you so far. You can try to think optimistically and and have positive thinking through all that we're going through, and that's going to get us through, but it's really not going to change our problems. And what we need this morning is something that can change the problems that we're living in, and that's a hope that we'll only find in the Lord Jesus Christ. This little boy one time was sitting on the the bench in the dugout, and a man walks up, and the score is 18 to 0. The man walks up, and he says, Whew, looks pretty bad. He says, are you discouraged? The young man says, no, I'm not discouraged at all. He says, why? He says, we haven't even been up to bat yet. And boy, he had an optimistic view of it, and he had some positive thinking there, but I don't know if all of that optimism is going to make up for the problem of being down 18 runs. And that optimism is not going to work for us today either. We need true hope. And the only way we're going to have hope is if things change. 
The only way we're going to have a chance to survive the circumstances is to have real, genuine, life-changing hope without a change in our life and a change in how we think and a change of our heart. There's never going to have that chance to move forward. And now here's the problem, and I'm going to get into the message today. We've tried everything that we know. We've tried everything that we know. I'm going to take my time today, if you don't mind. I think about when this thing first started in March, and I think about I met with our our men, some of our teachers, and I said, look, we've got to keep our people engaged. Who thought back in January of 2020 that engaged just simply meant hold it together? I said, we've got to keep our people engaged, and we did the scavenger hunts and the uh, pinpoint the preacher, and we did the family game nights and the Bible studies and the tea parties and all the things we could to keep everybody engaged. And then I realized that in the end, there's nothing we could do to keep everybody together. It was going to have to be them and their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I couldn't do it. I can't keep everybody in this church during this pandemic. I can't keep you happy enough, and I can't do the right things to make everybody happy all the time. You're going to have to have real, genuine hope that you're only going to find in Christ. Now, understand this before we get into the message today. True hope comes through someone and not something. The reason we lose hope today is oftentimes our hope is in things. We put our hope in our money and hope in our job and hope in people. We put our hope in preachers and hope in being in the building. And when those things go away, we lose our hope. But hope cannot be in the thing. Hope has got to be in a someone. And that someone is mentioned in verse number 6. Verse number 2, we see a hopeless people. Notice what it says. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Here's people walking in darkness. Notice the end of verse 2. They dwell in the land of the shadow of death. These are a hopeless people. And yet hope comes in the form of verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. This morning I want to share a very simple thought to you. And I don't want you to tune me out because it's simple. But it's a truth that we desperately need today. If our hope is in something, we will fail and we will lose hope. But if our hope is in someone, and that someone being Christ, we will never lose hope. And this morning, lost or saved, there's only one true hope, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, and you're watching this morning, and you're saved, and you're thinking, well, I'm already saved, I already have hope, bear with me, because you might just realize that the reason you've fretted and worried and griped and complained about our circumstances is possibly your hope has been misplaced. So let's jump into this today as we look at a message entitled, The Hope of Christ. The Hope of Christ. Now, verse number two, let's go back there. The Bible tells us about these hopeless people that walked in darkness and dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Do you know who that is? That's every human being, past, present, future. That's every person who ever drew breath and uh, lived on planet Earth. We were people who walked in darkness and dwelled in the land of the shadow of death. This is who we were. Why? Because we were without Christ. Hope and true hope only comes through Christ. You see, that's the difference in being hopeless and being helpless. You know, a lot of times we will see people and out during this time of year and they're holding up cardboard signs and I'm not talking down to them and I, I hate that they are in the situation they're in and we think how helpless they are and how hopeless they are. But there's a great, great difference in helpless and hopeless. Helpless simply means you do not have help, but you know, oftentimes those individuals could go and do something about their situation. That's what helpless is. 
You may not have help now, but you can do something in order to find the help that you need. You can go get a job. Uh, You can go out and work and try to do what you can to make your situation better. But hopeless is when you can do nothing about your situation. That's what hopeless is. It's not helpless, it's hopeless. Why? Because you can do nothing about your situation. And verse number two, these people are hopeless. You and I, without Christ, are hopeless. Why? Because we lived in the land of the shadow of death, and we had no way of getting out. We could not improve our situation. Regardless of our circumstance, this morning I want you to know there's hope in Christ. What does Philippians 4.13 say? We quote it all the time. I can do all things through Christ. You know what that verse gives us? That verse gives us hope. I can through Christ. That means there's hope that going through a difficult time, a physical diagnosis, a spiritual attack, a family schism, no matter what it is, a quarantine, I can through Christ. Christ gives us hope, but only through Christ. You can't without Christ. All right? I can through Christ. You can't without Christ. And the Bible says these people walked in darkness. Notice what Christ brought them. The Bible says, have seen a great light. Number one, this morning, I want you to see something in Christ, both lost and saved. Understand this. The hope of Christ, number one, brings light into darkness. The hope of Christ brings light into darkness. Now, you've got to understand that word dark or that word darkness this morning. That word darkness doesn't just mean spiritual darkness of being lost. Obviously, that's exactly, that's the cornerstone meaning for what that means. But you know when you look up the word darkness in the word of God, you're going to find that it means all kinds of different things. The word darkness in the Bible, it speaks of spiritual darkness, of course. But at times, the word darkness even is used to describe physical infirmities. The word darkness is even used at times to uh, describe times of want or even what we might call financial difficulty. What do we call it when we go through difficult times in our health and our marriages and our finances? We went through a what? A dark time. All of us have gone through dark times. And the word darkness in this verse entails all kinds of unfavorable circumstances. But what the Bible is showing us in verse number two, that the hope of Christ brings hope and brings light into darkness. Now this morning, whether you're lost in sin and spiritually in darkness or you're saved and going through a dark time this morning, there's hope in Christ. Why? Because the Bible says the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The Apostle Paul describes a dark time in Acts chapter 27 and verse 29 when they're in the midst of this storm and they just couldn't get any peace from the storm that was blowing through. And Paul says this in verse 29 of Acts 27. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Here's Paul. He's going through an unrelenting storm and the ship's being battered and they have gotten to the place where they've thrown out four anchors. They've thrown out all that they've got to hold them down. And what did they do? The Bible says they wished for the day. Do you know what Paul would describe that scenario that he's living through? I think Paul would say that was a dark night. It was a dark night. Oh, how there have been so many dark nights during the last nine months. It's been some dark nights. Last night when I got home from Louisiana, rolled in about 7.30, sat down on the couch for a few minutes before I retired to my bedroom, the phone began to ring. Text messages, phone calls, messenger messages through Facebook, running a fever, have a positive diagnosis. 
don't feel good and I can't taste anything. And suddenly, what was a great weekend spending time with family, I even got to go deer hunting. Saw a lot of deer, didn't shoot one, saw a lot. Suddenly, as I sit there on my couch, it got darker and darker and darker. And I had resolved in my heart, we're going to cut back. If you'll notice the post from last night, we were trying to salvage this service. We were throwing out anchor after anchor after anchor. And then you realize we have no more anchors. We cancel children's church. I put out a post to ask everyone, if you've been in contact or been around anyone, please stay home. Please stay home. Respect the health of others. And we're throwing out anchor after anchor after anchor. And it became apparent after we had thrown out every anchor we had that it was going to be a dark night and we were not going to be able to have service. But I want you to know, my daughter said to me last night, she says, Dad, she says, maybe God is allowing us to go through this today that nobody would be at church so that we could maybe get back together later around Christmas time. And if we met today, it would spread and we'd all get to miss Christmas. And here's my daughter who has hope. Why? Because she's just trusting in God that even though this is a difficult time and a dark time, she found her hope in Christ. And folks, this morning, we've got to understand, listen, whether you are lost and without Christ, you are in spiritual darkness, or maybe you're saved this morning, and the shadow of 2020 has been pressing down, and you've thrown out every anchor that you could to hold you still in the midst of this thing, and you don't think you're going to be able to make it through, and you're hoping for the day. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says they have seen a great light. That light is verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. There's light in Christ. What did David say in Psalm 16, 7? I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Here we are celebrating a season of hope with an empty church. How can you celebrate a season of hope? How can you be helpful when nobody's here? There's seven human beings in the sanctuary this morning. How can you celebrate a season of hope? Because I have a Christ that's my light in those night seasons. David says, I have hope. I have a God who's a light in the night seasons. If you're here watching this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you are indeed hopeless without Christ. There is no light in your darkness other than Christ. And yet Christ gives us that light when we're in spiritual darkness. And then yet after we're saved, we go through night seasons. Oh, how in the 25 years of ministry, we've had people sit in the office and make phone calls. And we've sat in their homes and we've walked with people who've gone through night seasons. And oh, some of them were dark. Loss of loved ones, tragically. Marriages flying apart. Young people leaving home, cancer diagnosis, tragic deaths. I mean, you name it, dark seasons, they come, and you need hope. And I assure you, there's no anchor you can throw out that's going to give you the hope that's going to hold you still other than of Christ. 2020 has been a dark season for the whole world, a night season for the whole world. And this morning, what they need is hope. I'm not talking about optimism or positive thinking. What they need is the hope that only Christ can bring. The Bible says they dwelled in the land of the shadow of death. They walked in darkness, and yet, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. What does the Bible say in John 8, 12? I am the light of the world. Aren't you glad this morning that when we dwelt in darkness and we could do nothing about our situation, that our heavenly Father loved us enough to send us a light? There's something about light I want you to think about today. Light must be let in. 
light has to be let in. In the mornings, usually on Monday mornings, I like to sleep in a little bit. I, I hope that's all right. I haven't read the preacher's code, but I hope that on Monday morning, you're able to sleep in just a little bit because Sunday's a busy day for preachers. It's the one day of the week that we work, so I think Monday ought to be a good day to sleep in. And I'll tell my wife, I'll say, honey, don't let me sleep too late, you know? And so I'll be laying there in bed, and she'll get up to go about her business, and I'll be sleeping in an extra hour or whatever, and uh, she'll come in and she'll tap me on the leg, you know, don't forget, you know, you want to get up uh, early, uh, you don't want to sleep too late. And, you know, sometimes you just want to stay in bed. And before long, she'll come through getting about her day and she will pull the cord on the blinds. And when she pulls the cord on the blinds, it's all of a sudden, you know, like those gremlins, the light hits you and it just starts melting you down right there and you're pulling cover all over your head. The light was there and the light was available but the light wasn't getting in. And when she pulled the cord on the blind, she let the light in. Now, folks, I want you to understand something this morning. God has sent us the light that we need in the darkness for which we live. God has sent the light that the world needs. God has sent the light that your family needs. God has sent the light that our people need. But here's the problem. The light is there and the light is shining and the light wants to give us what we're looking for. But we've got to open the blind. We've got to let the light in. So often our blinds are pride. So often our blinds are sin and our blinds are rebellion. And our sin and our rebellion and our pride won't let the light get in to show us what we need. Why? Because we don't like the light because it shows us who we are. But this morning, can I tell you something? You're not going to have the light of Christ hope without Christ. You know, we want hope. We want hope. We want God to shine a light. I mean, I've talked to people this week who've gotten terminal diagnosis for cancer. I know people whose marriage is going through a rough time and young people are struggling and people can't understand why they're going through what they're going through. And that light is there. Oh, I look in the eyes of some folks this week who are struggling. Darkness is just coming in all around them and you can tell it. And I want to I open the blinds for them so bad. Christ is there to give them the hope they're looking for, and they're drowning, they're struggling in darkness. But here's the problem. I can't open the blind for them. They have to choose to pull that cord to let the light in. And this morning, you want the hope, you want the light, and you want the problem fixed, but the problem is you want it without Christ. You cannot have hope, and you cannot have light without Christ. I can through Christ. You can't without him. And if you keep the blind closed and don't let Christ in, whether lost or saved, I assure you, you will dwell in darkness. Ephesians 5, 14, Paul put it this way, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Christ is there. He has what we need and what we're looking for. He has the answer to what we're struggling with. We're struggling with darkness. We're living in a world that's dark. What do we need? We need hope. Where does hope come from? Hope comes from Christ. And that hope of Christ brings light into our darkness. Revelation 3.20, what does he say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, now listen closely. Any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. God sits on the outside of this whole globe and he knocks this morning. Here's a world, we're dwelling in the land of the shadow of death. 
We're walking in darkness, and the darkness is oppressive day by day. It oppresses us even more. And God is sitting there knocking, standing at the door, desiring to get in. And what did he say? I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, you say, you've got to let him in. We've got to let him in. The reason our homes are struggling, I'm talking about Christian homes. Our Christian homes are struggling. Our Christian young people are struggling. Our Christian churches are struggling. Why? It's because God's on the outside and we won't let him in. Why? Because the light shows us for who we are. And we don't want to see that. And therefore, we will remain in darkness. Remember this before I give you the second point. When you shut out Christ, you shut out hope. When you shut out Christ, you shut out hope. As I mentioned, I've spoken with some individuals this week, and I looked into their eyes, and I can tell they're struggling. They just, they look bad. They're struggling in darkness. They're wandering in darkness. They're trudging around in darkness. And I know that the same God, watch this, who knocked on my heart's door is knocking on their heart's door, but they won't let him in. And they don't want Christ, and they're denying Christ and saying no to Christ. When you say no to Christ, you're saying no to hope. You are hopeless without Christ. I can through Christ. Your marriage can through Christ. Our young people can through Christ. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to shelter our young people until they're 95 years old. No, we're going to teach them that they can through Christ. They've got to go out into this world because just as light has to be let in, listen closely, light must be let out. Do you know our world this morning is in desperate need of hope? Because there's no light. What did he say in Matthew 5, 16? Listen close, let your light so shine before men. Our world sits in darkness and yet watch what's happening. Us as Christians, we have the light within our homes. We got it. Man, I'm saved, my wife's saved, my daughter's saved. We got the light, we got it in our homes, but we're keeping the blinds shut. We're not letting our neighbors see our light. And that's why the world, imagine if every Christian home opened our spiritual blinds this morning and let our light out to shine, this world wouldn't be as dark. But that's why he says you've got to let it shine because just as light must be let in, light must be let out. And this world would look a whole lot different if we just opened our spiritual blinds just a little bit. So this morning, number one, notice the hope of Christ. He will bring light into your darkness. Can I ask you this question before I give you the second thing? What kind of a night season are you in? What kind of a dark place are you at? Is your home in a dark place? Are you in a dark place with your kids? I'm talking saved people right now. Are you in a dark place in your walk with God? The only reason you walk in darkness is because Christ is not in the middle of your home your children's lives, at times even churches. What did Jesus say at the end of verse 12? He says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. If our homes are following him, they're not going to be in darkness. Even though we live in a dark world, we're not going to go into darkness. Why? Because we're following him and he is the light. But the further away from Christ you get, the further away from the light you get. And you shut him out. You have certainly shut out all hope. Why? Because number one, the hope of Christ brings light in the darkness. But look at the second thing. He gives us a greater detail of our hopelessness in verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Notice the Bible says they're walking in darkness. You know, it's nearly impossible to find your way walking in darkness. You know, some of you were without power uh, when the tornadoes came through, maybe the hurricane came through. Some of you were without power different times. You know, here in the south, we have trees everywhere. We are in the pine belt, and the power knocks out our, our, our uh, the, the trees knock out our power a lot. And you're sitting there in darkness trying to make your way through a house, and it's a house you've lived in for years. And you know that house so well. 
And you think you know it until you start walking around in the dark. And that's when you really get to know your house. You're walking through the toes. Go ahead and chalk it up. You're going to probably break at least one of them trying to find your way around the house. I mean, you move so fast in the dark. You ever notice that? You move way faster. I mean, some of you folks are slow. Move fast in the dark. I assure you, you ought to, uh, you ought to check on that sometime. But as you're walking through a house and it's dark, it's impossible to find your way. And the Bible says they're doing this. Look what they're doing in verse 2. The people that walked in darkness. What we see here is people that are wandering without Christ. They're wandering without Christ. By the way, that's always the case. Without Christ, you're always wandering. Why? Because he's the light. And if you're without Christ, you're just going to have to do the best you can making your way through a darkened world. And we look, last night we were coming home, we were getting ready to get on uh, the Mississippi River Bridge on the Louisiana side, and they had some temporary lines painted uh, to keep you where you're supposed to be and not run over the other guy that's out there. And my wife started laughing because it looked like a guy was either drinking or did those lines in the dark. I mean, <laughs> they were just, I mean, squiggly, squiggly. I even videoed, I should have showed you the video, I videoed some of them because if I tried to follow those lines and drive, I would have driven like some of you. I mean, I really would have you. <laughs> Because that's what it looked like. I mean, I think the guy put those lines down in the dark. Why? They weren't straight. There's no way that guy could have done that in the daylight and saw what he was doing. Why? It's hard to get things right in the dark. You're just doing the best you can to figure it out. Now, folks, this is what's happening when we are without Christ. Whether you are lost in sin without Christ or saved and not walking with Christ, you're walking and wandering in darkness without Christ. So the second thing, I want you to notice that God loved us too much to leave us that way. The Bible says the people that are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Why? Number two, the hope of Christ shows us, shows the way to the wanderer. The hope of Christ shows the way to the wanderer. I'll give you a story my dad told me years ago. He was deer hunting over out from Monticello, not far from uh, uh, Prentice, not far from where we lived. And uh, he shot a deer and the deer kind of ran off. And so he started blood trailing the deer. And he's walking, 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 and it was daylight when he shot the deer, obviously, because my dad's not a spotlighter, and you tell him I said that. Uh, You know, dad's walking through the woods, and he's following this blood trail, but he keeps following. Evidently, this deer is just, you know, uh, he's got adrenaline running, and dad kept following and following following. Finally, the sun set, the sun went down, and dad's following, and he's got a flashlight, but he has two sons who often need to borrow the batteries in his flashlights. Uh, You dads are smiling right now because you know that, and we'd put them back when we were done with them, but usually when we were done with them, they were done. And so he's got that little orange glow, you know, trying to follow this blood trail, and after a while, it just gave up the ghost. Now he's in darkness. Now he's just wandering in darkness. He's gotten away from his truck. He has no landmarks to tell, tell which way he's going. And he says for hours he walked through the brush. He fell into holes, tripped over into creeks, tripped over logs. What is he doing? He's wandering in darkness. He wouldn't normally walk that way, all right? But he's walking that way because of the circumstance. He's living in darkness. That's why he's walking and doing the things that he's doing. He told me this story. I, ne- I thought about this one. I was sitting on the couch. He said w- he was walking through, trying to find his way, and all of a sudden, he saw the orange glow of one of those old century lights, those mercury lights, glowing in the distance. He said, I've never been so happy to see one of those century lights glowing out there. You know, they put them on power lines by people's houses. He said, immediately, I locked onto that light, and I started walking straight to that light. And that light guided him from his wanderings, and he got to a house, and the gentleman at the house gave him a ride back to where his truck was. But what did the light do? 
It's the same thing the hope of Christ does. It shows the way to the wanderer. He was just wandering, doing the best he could, finding his way without a light. But as soon as he got a light, he had a guide to get him where he needed to go. And this morning, that's the same case for us with Christ. We are wandering in darkness, trying to find our way. Can I tell you, a lot of our homes resemble the fact that we're wandering in darkness. Dad was tripping over stuff. Dad was falling down. Dad was getting cut by briars. Dad's getting slapped in the face by limbs. Dad was going this way. Dad was going that way. There was no consistency to his path. Why? He was walking without a light. He had no way. The Bible says these people have seen a great light. Let me read a couple of verses for you that help illustrate this in Isaiah 59, verse number 9. The Bible says we wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness... But we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Notice what happens when you can't see where you're going. It says we wait for light. But behold obscurity. We walk in darkness. We grope like the blind trying to find our way. And how sad it is today for our heavenly father to look down upon his children and see them trying to find their way in this world without him. Oh, it must break his heart to look upon his children that he sent the light so they wouldn't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to trip up. You don't have to lose your way. You don't have to be inconsistent in your lifestyle. You can just walk straightly in the desired path that our Father has has given us and ordered for us. But we can't. Why? Because we're walking in darkness. Because we don't want the light. Understand this this morning. When you reject Christ, even as a Christian... You're not going to lose your salvation. But when you reject Christ in your life, you're rejecting the way. Why? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. Pretty simple. I wonder what that means. I am the way. It means without him, there's no way. You're not going to find your way. You're going to wonder. And how sad it is to see so many people waste the best years of their life. If there's something I could pour into the hearts of our young people this morning, it'd be this. Do not waste the best, most healthy, debt-free years of your life trying your way because your way is not going to worry. So how do you know that? Because Jesus said it very simply, I am the way. That means only. I am the way. There's no way outside of Christ. There's no way to be saved outside of Christ and there's no way to live the life pleasing to God outside of Christ. I can through Christ. Why? Because the hope of Christ shows the way to the wanderer. John 3, the Bible shows us why We do not go for this good deal of walking with Christ. You say, why wouldn't anybody want that? Why wouldn't anyone want to walk with Christ? He shows you where you're going. You don't have to make a lot of decisions. All you have to do is follow. I love that. Look, leadership of the Holy Spirit of God and the steps that are ordered by the Lord, it's my great cop-out of my life. I'm not smart enough to figure this thing out. I'm just going to follow him. Why? He knows where he's going. As long as I follow him, nothing's ever going to happen to me. I'm not going to have to walk in darkness. And yet, why do we say no to that? Why do we choose our way instead of his way? John 3, 19 says this. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. You're thinking, we ought to throw a party. I mean, good night. We ought to have a ticker tape parade to have celebration, a national holiday that Jesus came to show us the way. We don't have to walk in darkness. But no, we don't celebrate that. We run from it. Why? Because the end of the verse says this. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. You see, when you get too close to Christ, 
a lot of the things that you couldn't see in the dark start showing up. You know, uh, the other day I got up at four o'clock in the morning to go deer hunting. Walked into the restroom to get my clothes on and kind of looked in the mirror, but I didn't turn the light on and, you know, walked out the door. Got in the car with my buddy. He's going to take me out hunting and his dome light came on in his car and I looked in the rearview mirror and man, I hadn't shaved. I was scraggly. I'm getting some gray in my beard. I noticed that. Yeah, that's 2022. My hair was looking all cattywampus. I mean, look, to cover up these bald spots, you got to get it just right. you got to evenly distribute every hair to cover up those spots where it's getting kind of thin up there. I looked in the mirror, and I thought to myself, whoo, my goodness, I hope that doesn't scare off the deer. I'm glad we were in a shoot now so they couldn't see me. Man, it looked rough. Why? Because I got myself together in the dark. And now that I was sitting in the light, I'm thinking to myself, whoo, you've got a good wife to stick with you for 15 years. Why? Because it looked rough. The reason so many of us look rough, our homes look rough, our kids look rough, our country looks rough. Why? It's because we've dwelt in darkness so long because we don't want to come into the light because our deeds are evil. We don't want to see ourselves as the way Christ sees us. And This morning, I want you to understand this darkness may hide our sin. Does darkness hide our sin? Yeah, it hides it from others. It doesn't hide it from God. Darkness can hide our sin, but it doesn't give us hope. If you want hope, you've got to come out of the darkness and into the light. That's the only way you're going to have hope. It's like the little boy one day, his mom, uh, he asked his mom for some cookies. He said, Mom, can I have some cookies? She says, no, you can have a cookie, meaning one. She knew how many cookies were in the jar and went back later and found out that there were two cookies missing. She went to her son and she says, son, I, I noticed there are two cookies missing. Did you eat two? Boy didn't flinch. He looked up at his mom and he says, look, I went down there in the evening and it was dark. It was so dark that I did not see the other one when I grabbed the first one. And he ate, he ate two instead because, you know, I was in the dark and I couldn't tell. I was eating two. Now, if it was me, I would have just got two for the fun of it. They tried to use the darkness as an excuse for why he did what he did that was wrong. And we can use darkness as an excuse. But understand this, just because they have an excuse doesn't mean you have hope. I remember as a kid, I, I'm an, I can be a good excuse maker. I can come up with you. As a matter of fact, I should come up with a website entitled excuse.com, and you pay me a dollar to come up with a good excuse on why you didn't do what you were supposed to do. I was very good at it. My dad, my dad would commend me from time to time on how colorful some of my excuses were for why I didn't get done. Sometimes I could even use scripture. I mean, those would probably cost you $2 a piece. If you want one that has scripture in it, probably $2 a piece. But I could have an own website. Why well, I'm good at excuses, and oftentimes I knew I was supposed to be doing something, but I felt like I was okay not doing that something as long as I had a good excuse. And this morning we're dwelling in darkness. It's costing our families. It's costing us our way. It's costing us our country. We see it right now. And we're okay as long as we have an excuse. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't been soul winning. I haven't been faithful to watch the live stream. Why? It's 2020. And 2020 is just as good an excuse as any. But even though we have an excuse, remember, you don't, still don't have hope. The only way you're going to have hope is to come out of the darkness and in the light. Why? Because the hope of Christ shows the way to the wanderer. In 2020, it's sad that so many of us are seeking our own way instead of seeking the way. I mean, it's amazing to me. Everybody's giving ideas of what we need to do, how to fix this world, how to fix this country, and they're seeking their way when the only answer is the way because we'll remain in darkness, wandering in darkness until we find Christ who is the way. Turn to Isaiah 53. I want to show you something right quick before I give you the last point. Isaiah 53, I want you to look down. Let's start in verse number one. And we're going to read a little bit about the persecution and death of Christ. 
The Bible says, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him, speaking of Christ, as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We're noticing all that Christ was going through to bring us light. Now watch verse number 6. This is why all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All that we celebrate... All that we reflect upon for that Christ child that was born, knowing that that manger was going to lead him ultimately to a cross, all of that was to make up for us going our own way. But we have all turned our own way. We're a sheep who've gone astray. And he had to come and endure all of the iniquity and all of the strife and all of the persecution and affliction. Why? Because he's showing the way to the wanderer. Oh, my soul this morning. Listen, we should be rejoicing and shouting to God, thankful that he looked down up from heaven and looked upon sinful man, saw us wandering as the blind in the darkness, trying to find our way, tripping and falling and stumbling, and yet he sent his son to show us the way, and not just to show us the way, but to be the way. You see, Christ came to show us the way when our way failed. And can I tell you this morning, just as when you and I were lost, our way failed, your way will fail even after you're saved. We can't, there's no hope in our way. How, oh my goodness gracious, how often. Listen, we could advance the kingdom of God in greater ways if we weren't preoccupied proving that our way doesn't work. I mean, my soul, this is what, what pastors spend most of their time doing, trying to help people understand their way's not going to work. Listen, I'm not talking about the lost, I'm talking about the saved and the kingdom of God could be advanced, churches could grow, families could be changed if we just spent more of our time proving that he is the way instead of trying to prove to him that our way is going to work. Not one time in over 6,000 years that man has been on this planet has man proving that his way works above God's way. It doesn't work. Verse number 2, the people walked and wandered in darkness. Why? Because their way did not work. It was the way of Adam and Eve in the garden. They proved their way doesn't work. Jesus says, I am the way. That means the only way. William Sleeper wrote a hymn, sometimes entitled, Jesus, I Come. Sometimes it's entitled, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow, and Night. But let me read the first verse for you. He says, Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness, and light, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health, out of my want, and into thy wealth. Out of my sin, and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. Can I tell you, he has so much to offer us if we would just come around to his way. But that requires you leaving your way. Quit wandering. There's no reason this morning any person lost or saved should be wondering why. Because the hope of Christ shows the way to the wanderer. That's what he desires for us. And you cannot shut out Christ 
and find the way. Why? He is the way. You can't shut out Christ and find the way for your home, your life, this church, or for our country. The United States of America will never find the way as long as we are seeking our way, and the church has got to lead in that. That's why verse 12 of John 8, he says, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. And this morning we dwell in darkness, we wander in darkness. Why? Because we reject Christ, which means we're rejecting his hope that he brings with his way. Now, before we close this morning, let's look at one more thing in verse 2. We see, first off, the hope of Christ brings light into darkness. The second thing is we see the hope of Christ shows the way to the wanderer. And then finally, notice the Bible says here, the last part of verse 2, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. I want you to notice where the light and where the hope of Christ shine. The Bible says, in the land of the shadow of death. Now, it doesn't take us much creativity to realize that just the name of this place lends itself to trepidation. It's called the land of the shadow of death. It's a term that we probably remember from Psalms 23 where David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to think about this this morning. When you're in the shadow of something, you're fairly close to it. Got a book, I just got a new copy in the mail the other day. I love this book, I encourage you to read it. It's by Philip Keller, and it's the 23rd Psalm Through the Eyes of a Shepherd. It's a shepherd who describes each and every line and scenario of what the 23rd Psalm is all about. And He talks about those sheep and how when those sheep are out wandering on the spring ranges, they're wide open, and they just wander and go as they will. But as that grass begins to be depleted, the shepherd takes them to the good grass up in the highlands. That shepherd will lead his sheep from the open spans of the fields. They're just countless in acres and start funneling them through the rocks to get up to the highland ground to where that good grass is at. And sheep, if you know a little bit about sheep, they're very nervous animals. Uh, God aptly calls us and relates to us that we are sheep. They're poor, helpless, defenseless animals that have to have a shepherd. All right, without it, they're going to die. As he leads them up into the mountain, sometimes he leads them through steep valleys where the sides are very narrow and oftentimes there are coyotes and other predators looking to get to those sheep that are walking through that valley. As those sheep will go through those valleys, they start feeling constricted as the, the walls close in on them and they start to panic and run wondering what's behind that rock and what's behind that rock for a sheep has very little way to defend themselves. They don't have claws or really sharp teeth. I mean, they don't, have, uh, they don't have really anything that they can fight off something that is trying to destroy them. So they begin to panic. And that shepherd leads them. That's why David says, He'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He said, I've got my hope with me. That's what David says, isn't it? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He says, I have hope. Why? Because my shepherd is here. And what we're seeing in verse number two, for those that are walking upon and walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God sent Christ to bring hope at this troubling place. So number three, I want you to see today that the hope of Christ gives peace to the troubled. The hope of Christ can give peace to the troubled. I don't know what you may be experiencing today. I was troubled last night sitting on my couch around between 9 and 10.30 as it became apparent we were going to have to move the service to live stream. My heart was troubled. Didn't like it. I was grumbling and griping and talking to our men on staff, bouncing it off of them. And 
I had to wait until, I kept telling you, just wait, just wait, just wait. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I kept trying to figure out, can we quarantine this group and quarantine this group and the potential here and the potential there. And the whole time, the Lord's just saying, you know what you're going to have to do. And boy, I was troubled. What a comfort it brought to me knowing that Christ gives us peace in those troubled places. In those dark places where we have no peace in our life and the circumstances lend themselves to be fearful, I'm thankful the Word of God tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He looked down and He saw us dwelling in that close proximity of bad circumstances. And boy, that's what we're living right now. I mean, everywhere you look, there's a, a wall of circumstance here and a wall of circumstance here. And yet the Bible says that I can have hope in the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because he sent me a shepherd, the good shepherd, who's leading me through it. I love the fact that it says, yea, though I walk through. It didn't say, yea, though I die in. It says, though I walk through. And we may be going through a valley today. We're in a valley this morning. We're not together. I told someone just last night on the phone as we were talking about having to do this. This has been extremely burdensome to me and heartbreaking to me. But I haven't had to bear this burden alone. And even though we're going through a valley right now, we're not going to die here. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd and he's with us even through this valley. And Christ was sent to give peace to the troubled. That's why 1 Corinthians 15 says this, if, we have, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. Aren't you glad the hope that we have in Christ? And by the way, it's exclusive to Christ. You know, from time to time you'll see those, those things on television, as seen on TV, can't buy this in stores. And then you go to Walmart and they have the as seen on TV section. I just haven't figured that one out just yet. I was in Five Below the other day in Louisiana and I saw something for $10. I mean, just... My head exploded. I even took a picture of it. I said, the lady probably thought I was some kind of a thief or something. I just stood there and stared at it. Is it five below? It's kind of like the Dollar Tree. I just assume Dollar Tree, everything's a dollar, and five below, everything's below five dollars. I'm sitting there looking at something for ten dollars. Your head explodes. You can't figure it out. Oh, 2020 has given us a lot of things we can't figure out. But aren't you glad this morning that we can have peace in these troubled times. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd. And we have hope not only in this life, but we have hope in the life to come because of Christ. Can I tell you this before we close today? There is no peace without hope. Don't you think about that. There's no peace without hope. If your hope is shaken, it's going to be reflected in the fact that you have no peace. You've got to have hope to have peace. You say, well, aren't they the same thing? No, 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 no. First Thessalonians chapter 3, oftentimes at a graveside, I'll read this verse, verse 13. The Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Notice that. Sorrow not as others which have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And he goes on to say he wants us to be comforted by those words. But notice what he mentioned first. He says, I want you not to sorrow as somebody. Hey, don't act like somebody who doesn't have hope. Now, folks, it didn't say we don't sorrow at all. Oh, we sorrow. I sorrowed last night making this decision. I sorrowed. Told God several times, God, we don't need this right now. We just don't need this right now. God, why is this happening? God, I don't know why you're doing this. I'm glad to know that even though I don't, I don't know what he's doing, he's doing something. And God's working in our church. He's going to work through this. He may refine our faith just a little bit. And so even though I sorrowed, I didn't sorrow as somebody who has no hope. Why? Because I have hope as long as I have Christ. He said, I don't want you to sorrow. I want you to be comforted. What is comfort? It's peace. 
But you don't have peace if you don't have comfort, if you don't have hope. And this morning, if your hope is in stuff, no wonder you don't have peace. Because you can't have peace unless you have hope. Philippians 4, 7, the Bible says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice what came first? Through Christ. Christ came first. What comes next? The peace of God. You're not going to have the peace of God if you don't have the hope from Christ. But as soon as you get the hope from Christ and your hope is in Christ, your hope doesn't be in the stock market or the economy or real estate or whatever your hope is in. If your hope is in Christ, you'll have the peace of God. And what does it say? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. I'm so thankful this morning that, man, there have been times over the last few months you wonder if you can keep it all together. You know, you folks who've been having your kids home a little bit longer than usual, you might be having them a little bit more lately in the next few days. Can we keep all of this together? No, you can't. You can't. You can't. The Bible says that his peace, which passeth understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This morning, folks, can I tell you, the hope of Christ, the hope of Christ wants to bring light into your darkness. What kind of a dark season are you going through right now? Those night seasons. Night seasons. I have a couple of friends who've lost spouses recently, and I've been reading their post. And... Uh, Oh, you can just tell in their heart they're in a night season. Going on without their spouse who they love and lost their, their spouse tragically. They're going through a night season. And what a comfort it is as a pastor, as a friend, to be able to encourage them from the word of God, not with optimistic thinking or positive thinking, but to be able to encourage them with a hope that will give them peace that they'll only find through Christ. Only find through Christ, but... Folks, we've got to let the light in. What kind of night season are you going through? You might be going through a night season because you've got your blinds closed. You don't want God to let that light in. Why? Because unless the light in, it's going to show us for who we are. We don't want to be seen for who we are. And finally, we would rather sit in darkness without hope than let the light in. What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Interesting, isn't it? The Bible says here, they have seen a great light. That light was Christ. But then we see that Christ came to be the way to the wanderer. Are you wandering this morning? Are you bouncing off the walls spiritually? Your path looks like this. If your path looks like that, the odds are you're walking in darkness because that's what it looks like when you walk in darkness. You're running over stuff, tripping, falling. Are you doing that in your spiritual life? Are you falling down, making mistakes, have no consistency in which way you're going? It may mean this morning that you have shut out Christ, and without Christ, you don't have the way that you need to go. And maybe this morning, finally, you're like the last part of the verse. You don't have peace. You're troubled in your life. Jesus was the very prince of peace. You walk with him, you have peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. He's the source of peace. But you have to walk with him. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. You walk with him, watch this. You have light for your, for your way. You, have, you find the way that he'd have you to go. And you have peace along the way. But you have to choose this morning the hope that you're only going to find in Christ. And this morning, I pray everyone that's watching can honestly say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But could it be today that the reason you're living in darkness is because you've never trusted Christ? Could it be this morning you made a profession with your mouth or profession with your mind, but you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your hope and hope alone? 
He says, I am the way. He's the only hope. This morning, you can know that. You can have that hope in Christ, which gives you light, which shows you the way and gives you peace, but it's only through Christ. If you're watching this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You can have that today through Christ. I can through Christ. Maybe this morning you're watching and you're saved, which I'm sure most of our people that are watching are. Can I ask you, are you dwelling in darkness? Are you in this dark season right now of your life? Could it be that you're having trouble in this dark season because maybe your hope was in man or your hope was in people or your hope was in circumstances or security when ultimately our hope should have been Christ? He'll give you light for that dark season, but you've got to trust him. He'll show you the way while you're for the wayward and for the wanderer this morning. He'll show you where you should go, but it's only through Christ. I am the way. You're not going to find the way to salvation without Christ, and you're not going to find the way through trouble without Christ. He is the way. This morning, maybe, maybe you just don't have peace. And I can assure you, it's like that old sign used to say, no Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W, and then N-O, no Jesus, no peace. This morning, the question is, if you desire to have peace, you've got to have hope, and that's only through Christ. Because this Christmas season truly is a season of hope. It's light in our darkness. It's the way while we wander, and it's peace in this midst of this time where we're troubled. I want you to have your heads bowed and eyes.